thank God, able to see a missionary come over to give update. It's a great joy for the church. And today we are going to introduce three of the missionaries. There are seven various places in the world. First, we have Bruce Smith and Vicky. They are seven with a, a hockey ministry in New, New Brunswick. And second, we have Anna Chasnobos working with Sims. And they are in Toronto. We're going to hear the update from their cassette at the end. And third, third we do have Kwashi and Davi. They are seven with Crossword. They are in West Africa, Togo. So we're going to hear from them what the Lord is doing through them during this time, this pandemic. And it's a joy that we can hear and update from them. And also as a church, we can pray for them. We can stand with them, able to encourage them in prayers. And uh, during the ministry, they might face their spiritual warfare. And we are here able to back them, able to support them, able to encourage them, able to pray with them. So I have to you, they sit down, we're able to enjoy the presentation. Well, greetings uh, to our brothers and sisters at Snowden Baptist Church. Thank you for this opportunity to reconnect with you. Uh, it's been a long time since we left Montreal. In fact, 25 years, if you can believe that. I know. For any uh, who are watching this video that remember Vicky and I and our family, uh, you're probably going, wow, Bruce, he hasn't changed a bit. And I may be kidding myself, uh, 25 years, it's been a while. But uh, I wanted to, first of all, thank you uh, for your support, for your love, for your prayers. Uh, you've stood with us all these years, um, and we are grateful. Uh, for uh, your love for us and your desire to serve with us in ministry. Uh, I learned a valuable lesson uh, while we were at Snowden. I, uh, I discovered uh, that there weren't a lot of hockey fans at Snowden Baptist. A lot of people didn't really know much about hockey. But what was clear from our time there was that there was a deep love and genuine faith on display and we so enjoyed the fellowship uh, from our years at Snowden uh, there was a second part too and there was a great desire uh, amongst the congregation there to share Christ uh, to the world in response to that great commission that uh, Jesus gave us and so uh, uh, I, these are the fond memories that I have, that we have, from our days at Snowden Baptist. There are people watching this video have never met us, don't know anything about us. Maybe we're a line item uh, at church, but I trust that this video uh, will encourage your heart and, and that it will capture our appreciation uh, for your uh, standing in partnership with us in ministry. Uh, these are challenging times, that goes without saying. Uh, I've got a friend in Buffalo, New York. He was a former U.S. Marine, and he told me that he was taught in uh, training to be a U.S. Marine three words, improvise, adapt, and overcome. And he said to me, really, 
that's what's going on in the ministry these days. And I thought, no, it's very true. It's the new motto of Hockey Ministries Atlantic, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Uh, a few changes down here. Uh, first of all, a new development. Our son, Joe, most of you will remember Joe as a little boy running around at the church. Well, he's grown up and now married with two of his own children. And Joe and Amber and, uh, and their two kids have moved from Ottawa back here uh, to serve with us in hockey ministries. And it's a really special time serving as father and son. And one day uh, in the future, don't know how long and when, but one day Joe will take over the work of hockey ministries. As uh, I've served now for 32 years, I'm not planning on uh, a retirement in the next three months, but I just trust that the Lord will make it abundantly clear when it's time to begin to slow down and maybe hand uh, the puck off uh, to our son. I, I trust our newsletter uh, has kept you uh, somewhat informed of what's been going on in the ministry all these years down here. And uh, I love writing the newsletter because I get to share just some of the stories of what God has done um, in in this work uh, over these years. We, um, we've had some challenges, of course. Uh, our funding strategy of last year, we have a dinner and auction that we do each year. Uh, that was forced to be canceled. And with the developments of this year, uh, we have decided to go to an online auction. And so that online auction actually launches next week, uh, Tuesday, and will run till Thursday. We've never done it before. It's brand new. But uh, again, improvise, adapt, overcome. And so we're seeking to raise some funds uh, to help with the work through an online auction. Uh, chapels with hockey teams have continued, uh, some via video, uh, some live and in person, and we're thankful for those opportunities in person. And uh, the season, the hockey season has been on again, off again, but we're back on and able to meet in person. In fact, last week, I was able to go in and uh, meet with uh, 10 uh, hockey players, 10 teenagers on the St. John Sea Dogs. Uh, and it was a great joy uh, to open God's word and share the hope that we have in the resurrection just after Easter. And uh, I love opening God's word uh, with these young men. Bible distribution continues. Uh, Bibles being shipped out to players, coaches, and trainers across leagues who have requested a copy in French and in English. And uh, I have to say, I, I wish you were able to join me on those times when a teenager comes up to me and says, Bruce, uh, could I have, could I have a Bible? And uh, those are precious times. And in fact, even though you're not standing there with me, you are standing there with me because you're enabling me to be there. You're enabling me to be able to distribute God's word to these hockey players. And I thank you for that uh, privilege that I get. Hockey camps, uh, last summer, uh, severely impacted cancellations and restrictions on size as a result of the pandemic. But um, we still had camps and we plan for camps again this summer. In fact, we're planning on expanding to a second camp down here in New Brunswick. 
and our hope and our desire is that we simply want to continue to share the gospel with boys and girls, young people at our hockey camps. Uh, There's so many stories that have come out of our camps over the years. I guess my favorite story, illustration of the reality of camp, remember many years ago now, um, a 10-year-old goalie um, at the Moncton camp, it was Friday morning, the camp was about to end, I was on the ice with that group, he was standing over in the corner, and I went over to him, and I got down on my knee next to him, and I said to him, uh, Nick, tell me about uh, what you've learned this week at hockey camp. Now, I'm expecting him to tell me about some of the things that we've worked on on the ice, uh, developing his skills, some of the thing I've, things I've taught him. That was uh, what I was expecting. Well, that little boy, he looked at me, he had the wires of his mask, he turns, he looks at me right in the eye, and he says, Bruce, I learned why Jesus died on the cross. And I wasn't expecting that, but in fact, um, that indeed would be the greatest lesson we could ever teach a young person. Well, that 10-year-old boy grew up, and he grew up to love the Lord. He went off to seminary studying to be a pastor, and today he's a pastor in northern New Brunswick, right here in this province. And it's one of the great encouragements of my life uh, to reflect on the work that God did in the heart of a 10-year-old boy that summer. Well, this, this past summer, I was also reminded of how uh, God can use us to accomplish his purposes. I received an email from a man who I had met when we lived in Montreal. When we were there at Snowden, I met this man, and he was uh, uh, providing our hockey camps with hockey sweaters. He was in business. So I would I would deal with him at the office, and uh, one day he was in, and I could tell he was struggling. So I invited him uh, for supper at our home. And that night, I prayed with him. Uh, and, uh, and then... I lost contact with him. We moved down here. I hadn't heard from him and, and uh, really, uh, as I say, lost contact. Well, I get this email from him. And the email is reminding me of, a, of that prayer that, uh, that I prayed with him in Montreal many years ago. Because this past summer, he and his wife came to faith in Christ and were baptized in the Atlantic Ocean last August, and he wanted to track me down and simply say, Bruce, your prayers were answered. And uh, my wife and I became Christians. And it was a great encouragement to me. It was a great reminder that oftentimes we have no idea how we're being used uh, by the Lord for his purposes, but it was uh, such a blessing to hear from him. My time is up. I was told 10 minutes, and it's 10 minutes exactly. I'll sign off from the Atlantic coast of Canada. One day, Lord willing, Vicki and I will be back at Snowden Baptist, and we would love to see you and love to fellowship with you once again, And uh, because we'll always remember the sweet fellowship of the people at Snowden Baptist. Um, you blessed our hearts. We'll never forget you. God bless you for remembering us and standing with us in the ministry.
Well, good morning. I want to bring warm greetings to all of you from SIM Canada and from my home church of Grace Point Baptist Church. My name is Ann Noble, and it's been my joy to care for our Canadian SIM retired missionaries now for uh, over 21 years. I like to call the ministry caring for the retirees, but caring for the warriors seems more appropriate. They truly are warriors. I think of the one who served prior to her missionary career as a underground <clears throat> resistance fighter in the Belgium war. And her young fiance was shot by the Germans just days before the end of the war. And it was through a Canadian soldier who had been uh, brought to Belgium to repatriate soldiers that she actually came to faith and went on to become a missionary for many years with SIM. I think also of Beulah Sargent, who at 101 years old related to me the story of her memory when she first went into Angola. She said that it was so frightening to step across the border and begin the long journey for she was alone and she was young. There were two African carriers with her whose language she did not speak and they did not speak English. And she walked for 21 days. Yes, 21 days. She told me she didn't dare look back because she might not have been able to go forward. She then went to that remote place where she was the only nurse for hundreds of miles. And there she delivered thousands of babies. She was bit bitten by a highly poisonous uh, snake and survived. And she saw an angel. Another couple were torpedoed when they were crossing the um, Atlantic Ocean during World War II. And they were miraculously saved on a lifeboat. I have a missionary who at the age of over 80 did the iron butt a uh, motorcycle run in America and became uh, a winner of that particular event. Some lost their wives in childbirth and others lost their husbands to dreadful accidents. And one of our missionary ladies was murdered. Many of our single missionaries sacrificed marriage and family life so that they could serve the Lord. One third of all our missionaries are actually single missionary ladies. Numbers of them sacrificed their mental health in serving in remote, doing impossible tasks as nurses. Some of them translated the scriptures into the local language, and that was after having first had to develop an alphabet for that language. I think of Jean Horning, who traveled across Niger on a horseback. All week she worked in a leprosarium, and each weekend she went out to share the gospel with the Muslim people in that area. They said she went out with a couple of bananas and a bottle of water. I have her journey log and in it are written thousands of names of the people whom she shared the gospel with, a highly resistant Muslim population. Very few came to faith, but Jean carried on. These people have been faithful warriors in some very challenging countries and ministries. In this past 21 years, I've cared for 330 retirees. 185 are now with the Lord. And it was my privilege to walk closely with them in those years on their earth, to be involved often at the end of their life, and in some cases to be with them as they slipped into the presence of the Lord. There are over 150 still alive and living across Canada, and most of them are now in their 80s and 90s, and we have one lady who just celebrated her 104th birthday. These 330 missionaries represent a conservative estimate of 11,550 years of active missionary service. And I say it's conservative because I only 
uh, with the average as being 35 years of ministry, and for many, it was much more than that. This doesn't include their retirement years because most of them live 25 to 30 years after their retirement. So surely they require, deserve consistent member care. I've been asked to share how COVID has affected the ministry and it has been challenging. I've put a lot of energy and time into phone calls to our retirees. I couldn't count the number of hours I've been on the phone, phoning across Canada. Communication is so important. And yet consistently they've told me that although phone calls are great, they so miss seeing people and seeing faces. It's been a time of great loneliness for many of them. At least once a week, I send out lengthy emails. And yes, most of them are on email. And that would include SIM news, some quizzes, a few interesting videos, some inspirational stories, devotional material, and then just keeping them caught up on what's happening in the lives of each other. Normally, I spend a lot of time visiting in homes, and I would make trips across Canada. These would be grueling trips because I would usually fit in three to four visits a day, uh, each visit being about two hours, visiting in people's homes. And it's, it's been a blessing to see people in their homes, but none of this has been possible, of course, in this past year. Our family regularly um, have entertained retirees at Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays in our home. And of course, that's not been possible too. We delight in celebrating each of the retirees 80th and 90th birthdays by gathering together other retirees who live locally. And I always write a tribute to their life and each one will receive a special gift. We celebrate 50 and 60th wedding anniversaries for almost all our people met their partners on the field. They went out single and met out there. And each spring, I host a tea party here in Toronto at the SIM headquarters. But once again, this has not been possible and none of those birthday gatherings have been possible for these past two Aprils. I think these um, parties or celebrations are especially meaningful for our single ladies because many of them have not ever had significant birthday parties. Over the years, we've had a lot of single missionaries settle in Toronto because they've had no family who could care for them. And so I have become their uh, power of attorney, and it's been my joy to care for them for many years, some of them for many years. I'm with them right to the end of their life when they leave their temporary home here and they go to their eternal home. And I imagine those single ladies going to meet Jesus in their wedding gowns. This role also includes finding long-term care, taking people to doctors and dentist appointments, visiting them in hospital, pastoral care at the end of their lives, and palliative care during those final days. I think of one of my ladies who was in long-term care. She was suffering with significant short-term memory. She had no family, really. And I popped in one morning to see her. We visited for a bit, and I said to her, I'll be back later tonight. And I gave her a hug, told her I loved her. And she said to me, oh, that hug was lovely. Could I have another one? And I said, sure. Now, I'd been there the night before, and I'd hugged her, but I gave her another hug. And I said goodbye to her. I walked down the hallway, got in the elevator, went downstairs, drove in my car. And perhaps 10 minutes later, she received her final hug. She received her final hug on earth and her welcome home hug on heaven when the Lord Jesus welcomed her home. I find that when they're confined to long-term care, that many of them are forgotten by their churches and they get few visitors. And so at the end, um, I will plan their funerals. And sometimes it's only my husband, Charles, and I who'll go to the graveyard 
and bury their remains. I often think, you know, if they were back in Africa or Asia where they served, there would be hundreds of people gathered around to say goodbye, but not here. During COVID, uh, there's been a lot of other challenges that we face. There's had to be grocery shopping for many of them. My daughter shopped for a number of months. I shopped for four or five months for five people and then had a, quite a bad fall and God has provided um, two other ladies to shop. We've had to arrange for banking, getting people to doctors, dentist appointments. Hours have been spent on the telephone trying to make contact with different institutions, uh, tutoring people how to do online banking, setting up lawyer appointments has been a big deal, um, and then trying to arrange for government-supported home care. It's not been easy, and uh, it continues to be challenging. It's so much easier when you can go face-to-face -face and talk to someone than trying to talk to a very elderly person on the phone. During COVID, we've lost eight of our retirees to death, but none of them with COVID. It's been so incredibly sad that many of them have not had funerals as families were not able to plan funerals during this time, and they're waiting for when a memorial service may be possible. Um, it's my privilege at that time to walk alongside the now adult children of some of those retirees and to encourage them, perhaps give some advice and talk them through some of those challenging times. Just last week, we lost an amazing man of God. And he has only one daughter who lives here in uh, Toronto. She's not married. And so I've spent a lot of time chatting with her and trying to encourage her and finding it so difficult that I just can't go and sit down with her. Um, she and her dad have had Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter with our family for many years now. And uh, once again, that was not possible. Some of the retirees are feeling discouraged and they wonder why God leaves them here on earth. They'll say to me, I'm so old. Why doesn't God take me home? Others are lonely and they just long for the routines they once enjoyed. And some are downright rebellious <laughs> and they are ready to ignore the rules and get on with life in the outside world. And sometimes I have to be a bit of a mama bear and say, you know, this just isn't wise at this point. They all miss church and they miss face-to-face -face visits. One of the things that's given me the greatest pleasure has been that of recording their stories. This was a generation of missionaries who lived before telephone communication, emails, and they spent long-term periods overseas between home assignments. They sent their children off to boarding school, and then eventually those children returned home to Canada, and the parents remained on the field. I've had the privilege of hearing many previously untold stories and then sharing those stories with others, recording them and writing them. This generation of missionaries God saw growing his church. They went out as pioneer missionaries and they saw thousands come to faith. The Equa, which is the SIM church in Nigeria, now um, has a membership of 7 million people. And there are many other denominations within Nigeria. Uh, in the Kale Hewitt church, which is the SIM church in Ethiopia, there are nine now 9 million members. Nigerian Ethiopian missionaries are now going to other countries to share the gospel. Our international director, Joshua Bokunjoko, is a Nigerian, and he was discipled and mentored by one of our single missionary ladies. Never could she have imagined that that little boy coming from a desperately poor village would become the international director. If you were to ask my folks, would they do it all again? Would they go? 
there would be a resounding yes, that they would go once again to serve the Lord Jesus in ministry. Many of them are now limited in what they can do, but they continue to do what they do best. They pray. They pray that God would raise up young people who would go overseas with the gospel message. And God is answering their prayers. And even amid, amid COVID, we are seeing singles and families joining the mission, leaving, to, leaving God to Canada to serve God overseas, and many of them taking up ministries here in Canada. My husband, Charles, is now retired. But until the start of COVID, he was volunteering two mornings a week in the SIM Canada office. Uh, this had to be curbed because of COVID restrictions. However, I just give much thanks for Charles's continuing help in this ministry. It would not be possible for me to carry this ministry without his help, encouragement, and listening ear. In 1976, your church decided to put their trust in a young 21-year-old Quebecer to go to the country of Pakistan. That was me. And there I met Charles, and God blessed our home with three children. When we had to remain in Canada due to the many back surgeries I had, we were devastated. But we didn't know that God would raise up another ministry for us. And for the last 21 years, we've been serving the SIM Canada office. You have cared, prayed, and given towards our support. And we say a heartfelt thank you. I ask prayer for wisdom, guidance, patience, and joy in serving these warriors. They are a remarkable group of people, and I love what I do. They have been and continue to be warriors. When I started this ministry, I came across a short phrase that perfectly summarizes my feelings. It says, the elderly need so little, but they need that so little, so much. Thank you for being part of that so little, and the God bless you. May you continue to serve where he has put you. And so we say bye-bye. Hello, Snowden Baptist Church. This is Kwashi and Davi Amuji. We are so happy, so glad to uh, talk with you this uh, particular day. It's the morning in our time, so let me say good morning to every one of you. I want to say we love you so much. We thank you for all what you've been doing for us. We'd like to share with you a few things about ministry. We want to begin first by saying that in 2015, when we came here, we came with a vision to train Africans to take the gospel to other African people. The challenge that we have is that we, as Africans, need, it's a real challenge, need to take the gospel to the other African people. So in 2017, we began training of African missionaries. We began training of African missionaries. We trained about 60 uh, people, and some of them are already on the field. Our training program is divided into two. The first part is the cross-cultural communication of the gospel which uh, uh, we train people to know how to share the gospel in other cultures. Then the second part is skills, because we believe that Africans need skills to go into unreached peoples. There are peoples that 
places that we cannot go just as a missionary or just a worker, Christian worker. You go as a skilled person, a mason, a carpenter, a photographer, whatever we call it, a farmer. So what we do is that we tie those skill trainings to our trainings. So we say our slogan is the gospel in one hand and the skill in another hand. So in 2019, we decided to build a center that will give us opportunity to be able to train the people. And uh, in 2020, we started the construction of the center. We have already done, built the classroom and uh, office building. Now we are now doing the dormitories. They are almost done. We have to do, we are at the roofing stage of the dormitories. And uh, we need uh, money to really do that. We know how difficult it is these days in the world. But we do believe that in spite of the difficulties, God is still God. He will lead us through. So we are really trusting him to provide for uh, the training, the building of the training center. One of our guys, which is Pastor Shari too, he and the family are going to go as missionaries to the Kibu people. They have already taken the first trip to visit the site. The second trip will be in about a couple of weeks to go and visit and see what they can do. They are really eager to bring the gospel to those people who don't know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. So we'd like for you to pray for them because they need money to uh, move from where they are to go and serve. They might need at least about two to three hundred US dollars for the journey and about 500 US dollars for them to begin a skill. Uh, we don't really provide salaries for these missionaries. We ask them to begin as bi-vocational because it has a lot of advantages. Your skills allow you to minister to people, allow you to get in touch with the people, and by so doing, you have opportunity to witness and share the gospel with them. Uh, thank you, uh, Snowden Baptist, for your faithfulness. Since the first time we came to Tarkitu, you've never stopped supporting us. Your words of encouragement, your prayers, and your financial support and very, very useful. We are so grateful for all that you've done so far. And we pray that God will continue to bless you and to bless us in this partnership together. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.